Welcome to the Venture Property Podcast. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We really love to do all of these podcasts. This is a really different week to what we've normally been doing. Um, I decided to do this the other day when I was getting asked a few questions, and so was Kim, so I thought to put them all together. So today's podcast, or this week's podcast, sorry, is going to be me asking a few questions which you guys have sent in to Kim, though he's a little bit nervous, bless him. Um, so, hello Kim, how are you doing? How are you doing? You alright? Alright? How are you doing? You alright? Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> yeah? No, all right. You're now going to get a snippet of what we do all day. <laughs> is that a good um, thing? No, I don't know. <laughs> so, I'll just kick it off to be fair. And I'll start with, you know, these questions have come from a variety of different platforms. They've come from Slack. So if anyone does want to join our Slack channel, you can. It's realestateslackers.com. They've come from Property Tribes. They've come from Facebook. And then there's a few things that I think that we need to cover because they're things that Kim has potentially taught me. Um, so the first one is... What made you start investing in the first place? And at what point, if any, would you stop? Uh, great first question. Well, not for me. Um, I've heard this about 50 <laughs> times. You like to live with me. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go again. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, my, my past life, and like you said, Ryan has probably heard this a few times, I'm probably sick to death of it now. Um, I used to learn martial arts. I was into martial arts. I competed a lot. And, um, all over the world, and I'm fortunate to, to, to do pretty well in that kind of uh, that element of, of my life, early days. Um, uh, but I, I went self-employed at 22, um, and then um, I, I then ran martial arts schools all over Yorkshire, built up quite big entities. Uh, but around probably year 2000, uh, so our latest property, I was 39 when I bought my first buy-to-let property. Uh, I got the property bug. Uh, but that, that was based on, I think, uh, two, two or three things. I mean, one, I was getting on a bit. Uh, my body was starting to kind of get a bit bit uh, worn out. Uh, and I felt that running martial arts schools, that, that I felt that for me personally, although you know, people are into the 70s, 70s now running martial arts schools, but I personally felt that I wanted to still be able to um, do what I'd always done, um, uh, like a, a teaching role model. Um, so it was time, you know, just the way I felt, it was time to kind of look at other investment patterns. And, and like everybody, you know, I think we all look to the rich dad, poor dad um, kind of books, which are, you know, a bit kind of, you know, a bit out there in, in a lot of ways. Some, some some people kind of consider it, you know, is, is it a good thing that it, it's put, put over in a simplistic way? But actually, I think that's a good thing, especially when you're learning about investing in property or creating a pension or creating an income from property uh, or from anywhere really uh, whether it's stocks and shares or property but it was like at that point where it resonated with me um, and that's when I started um, you know, investing in, uh, in, in, in property and uh, in, in the buy to let uh, kind of arena has been buy a property, renovate it, put the tenant in and, and the tenant pays the mortgage and, and pays, the, pays the rent. Mm. Makes perfect sense to me. Uh, at any point, if any, would you stop? I think it's like sections of your life. You know I mean, I mean, you know, you're coming up thirty, young man. 
Um, I'll get that one. And I'm, I'm 56, so it, things do change. And I always used to think, oh, to myself, oh, I get, I'll always have this kind of, you know, focused kind of approach to life. Um, but as you get older, it, it does change. It does change from point of view of of certain parts of your life of being. At what point do you start looking at paying down, for instance, and looking at uh, you know slowing down? Because you think I can't see me slowing down. If anything, it's me getting busier. At the same time as well, I think logically, as a young person, I didn't kind of particularly think that way. But then time flies, you know. I mean, I remember my dad saying it, my granddad saying it, and you know, and I'm sounding like an old man now, but mm. it's true. Time flies, and and at certain parts of your life, you've got to be realistic, and you've got to kind of look and think. Well, right, with my portfolio now, for instance, you know, I live off my portfolio, and I've done for many years now, um, and uh, you know, we've 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 had the peaks and troughs. Um, and you're looking now and thinking, right, okay, what's going to happen over the next five years, you know, ten years and so on, and, and what's what's the goal? So the question there is, that, you know, would you, would you stop, as it were? And, yeah, clearly at some point I think I possibly will, and I say that kind of loosely because actually deep down I don't, I, don't, I don't feel that that will ever happen. You know, I might slow mm-hmm. down on that, but I think that the problem with slowing down is that you can't, you can't drip feed it like that. I think you've got to... Be, be kind of well focused, and you've got to be on it, and that to, to have success in this game, like any sort of activity, I do think you've got to be at the level of um, a higher level of, of thinking and focus and so on. And so when somebody says, "Oh, I'm going to kind of you know step off the gas and start you know going away for three months of the year," I think three months so things change fast, and mm-hmm. I think in three months you would then become more and more kind of distant from your business and so on. So I think. It, for me personally, I don't see a time when when I personally will necessarily, um, you know, just kind of stop. I do think as we get older, and my good wife Coral, you know, and, and the kids are obviously not kids anymore, and uh, and I do think you get to a point where you start saying, right, okay, I'm going to have time away. But but for me, um, I, I don't really think too much about, you know, oh, I'm going to stop and suddenly sit on a beach for the rest of my life. I can't see that. Happening. Yeah, I don't think we can do that because we've got that mindset where it's very, very different. You can well, we spoke about it anyway when you came back from holiday, and it was like you can only switch off for a certain amount of time, and then we've got that built in our brain. We're different, we're wired differently to everybody else, and it keeps us going. Um, if you had to do it all over again, would you follow the same path or a different path, and why? It's it's a it's a great question again. Um, it's an hard one because we're, when you get to certain stages of, of your property cycle, you know you, you build connections, you build um, opportunities as you go along, and so on. So therefore, those opportunities influence you in a, in a, obviously in a positive way. You know you you find deals and so on. So it's not a kind of black and white question of of what I would do like now because because things circumstances are different now compared to say 20 years when when I started investing um, if I was starting now you know then you know the, the point there is you've got to look at the current you know so some people say attack on buy to let landlords well the attacks there for existing landlords that have been like yourselves that have been buying in personal names for the last um, you know for the last 20 years or whatever uh, and that's wrong you know with a section 24 kind of 
new things coming into the interest rate rate relief tax and so on, these other things that are coming in. But if I was starting out now, I'd start in a limited company, I mean, from, from get-go, I think that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a, a straightforward kind of thing. Now, what I would do is, would be, you know, focus on certain elements of, of investing, you know, and, and I would say yield. You know, you've got to look at your net profit yield. Um, you won't always get it right and spot on to the, to the, to the pound. But generally speaking, when you do your numbers, I'd go for net profit yield. I, I don't think that, that really, if I was starting out now at, say, 25 years of age, you know, the biggest asset you've got at that point is age and time. So focus on your yields. You know, find properties that have, have got good yield. Uh, and somebody would say to me, well, what's, your, what's, what's the net yield on a property? What's your target? Now, I would be looking at over 8%, I think yeah. 8% plus. I personally would be aiming for 10%. 10% plus, but also as well the strategy. I think, I think skill base is have a, a, a number of skill bases. Like for me, uh, quite a famous lady who she knows who she, she's probably talking about. Probably talking about her now, if she does get to listen to this. But very famous, well respected uh, investor once said to me many many years ago: buy three, sell two, keep one. Mm. Buy three, sell two, keep one. Now. Um, in doing that, your yields can then go from 8%, 9%, 10%, so actually, if you think about it, can go beyond 20 25%. Because if, you, if you're selling two properties that you've renovated and you're selling on, you're keeping one out of the three, and you're aiming to buy three, sell two, keep one, then in actual fact, what you end up with is the, the first one that becomes um, you know, a lower mortgage, lower mortgage costs and so on, so therefore your net profit yield is... Is, is a lot higher than a normal kind of if you're going to max a property out. Um, the temptation on cash on cash return is to actually have the biggest mortgage you can on any buy to let property. And I actually was part of that when, you know, the, 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 the early days of the realty did. Um, and it worked, you know, and it, and it worked, it's looked after me. But at the same time as well, I think my observation, you know, 20 years later is that actually if I'd have gone for lesser mortgage rate, all right, my cash and cash return is, is less, but I'd have still made more money kind of along the way in as much as um, the net profit, but possibly not maybe bought as many properties. But then at the same time as well, you, you uh, are protecting yourself for any sort of kind of ups and downs along the way. But also as well, it's like, and there's a saying that, that I, I don't know where it came from, but um, I, I came across it a lot of years ago, and it's like, it's like if, you know, if you're lucky, luck happens. I think if somebody said to me, right, for those 10 properties you've bought, you could only have a loan to buy them at 50%. The way you think of buying, refinancing, and so on, and, mm. and reinvesting is actually, yeah, you can buy more properties. And theoretically, you're making more money. But actually, I think I'd have found another way. I think I'd have, kind of what I'd have done is thought, I'd have worked harder and say, well, okay, if I'm going to work to a level of, say, 6% loan to value, then stick to that. But then I would have carried on and done other things I'd have either bought land built and sold or I'd have done other things to supplement the fact that I couldn't actually go to say 80 or 85 percent loan to value uh, from a mortgage value which is what where we were at you know pre-recession um, so from that point of view, I think when you look in look happens and, and, you, and you, you would kind of make it happen in a different sort of way um, but it works for both sides and, and fundamentally it does come back to the person it's like you as a mm. person or me as a person, or Ryan, it's our level of you know accepting debt and understanding debt, not fearing debt. But then, 
some people might struggle with that and, and keep their debt levels low and actually that might work out in the long term. Uh, it's hard to predict what's going to happen in the next five years, ten years, twenty years. If you go back twenty years, it's the same thing. We, we didn't know that mm. what was going to happen. We didn't know that the market was going to double in, I think it probably doubled in six years in, back in the day and then and then just obviously had a, had a hit. Well, um, I wonder what yeah. I'll be saying in twenty years. Exactly, we don't it's know. Like, it's like... It's, just mad. Although hopefully the plan that I've got will see me good for for them. Um, but I think just adding on to that, if you if you network with with very successful people, uh, you're going to pick up different bits and bobs, and then you'll be able to pick certain things that they do which you like, and then come up with something that works for you. So for me. I know a guy who was buying pubs, turning them student accommodation, big ones, and uh, he had a massive portfolio as well. And I always thought, why? You know, if you if you just paid those pubs off, you'd be very, very wealthy and you'd cash flow well and have a good life. And then somebody you told me about him said, to get really, really wealthy, you need to to trade. So if you do, for me, it's those side by side, keeping a couple of the bigger ones and paying them down, and and then trading as well but um just moving on to another question this one again came from slack and it's the top two mistakes that you see people making time and time again some good questions today just to um, put you really on the spot here the top two mistakes one i would definitely say low yields go for higher yields don't go for yields of you know two and three percent on this is from a vital at point we quite um, make sure the yields are, are good, strong, um, to um, you know to cover any sort of shortfall, boilers busting, tenants not paying, and so on and so on. Mm. Um, you know, there's this thing of passive income, and I've been guilty of, of using that word in the past. Oh, that word scares yeah. me. And as years go by, and that you know, you're it's not you know passive. Even if you even if you you're running a portfolio and you're having it fully managed by a letting agency or whatever. Trust me, it's not passive. You're still mm. sat there thinking, is that letting agency working it properly and so on and so on? And then you've got to check them, the, the letting agent, and you've got to kind of, you know, track all these things. It's a business. You know, businesses don't just run by themselves. So, mm. you know, that's that's what you've got to think think like that from from get go. Um, the other one, I mean, you know, the, there's there's lots out there, I suppose. But in as much as you know, pitfalls and that is, don't don't trust what somebody's telling you. Find, do your own due diligence mm -hmm. on things. Um, if somebody's selling you something, then and they're saying all the right things that, that sound right, then you've always got to go back to the point of, well, they're selling it, therefore they're going to be biased. So I'd, I'd be cautious with with, um, with that. And and also as well, you know, don't go spending, you know, big lumps of money on, on you know, too much education too quick. Nowadays, with the internet, property tribes are big supporters of property tribes, and Vanessa and Nick and what they're doing there, and Property 118 and so on. There's so much out there nowadays from a resource point of view and a knowledge point of view that have patience, be patient, mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, and you can learn a lot over a period of time. But people seem to want it quick, especially youth as well. I think it's a, a fast society we're in now, nowadays, and everyone wants it today kind of thing. And, you know, and I hate to see these things, you know, you know, do a million pound in property in 12 months and 50,000 net profit. And so, 
I'm actually, it is doable. I know it sounds strange, but mm. these things are doable, but a lot of it down comes down to that one person out of a million mm. people doing it. Yeah. Um, think about a general thing as being generally as a group of people, what's the chances? And, and also as well, don't set yourself up for kind of like a fall where, you know, with these high kind of levels of expectation is that there's so many people out there that could have done so well in property if they just had lesser expectations, had patience, yeah. and delayed the gratification, you know. Yeah. This it's is something we're going to talk about that I want to talk to you with. I've got a point there which I'm going to uh, pull you back to in a bit. And there's also a question from Phil Stewart sort of about how property is a marathon. You see so that I can see you smiling now. Yeah. I've put that at the end. Okay. Although there is another one in there from Chelsea, which we'll get to. Um, so, Kim, this is a challenging one. What is the most challenging property problem that you have faced and how did you resolve it? Not rehearse these, by the way. As well. No, said, this is said, like first. Yeah. These are all live. I so said, no, we'll go live. One take. Uh, one take only. Um, so, what's the biggest biggest challenge? And how did you resolve that? I can hear his um, brain. Yeah, I can well, hear I think, it. I, think I can hear the cogs. Well, yeah, I think it's all challenging in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, you can be looking at things, and things can drop from a look point of view. Um, I don't know about the biggest. I just kind of look at it generally as being a challenge from day to day is raising money initially is the, mm. is the thing. You know, we can find deals and deals are out there without a doubt. Um, the challenge I would say obviously is finding money and finding people that can back your money. Uh, and that takes time, it takes effort, it takes um, you know, talking to people, meeting people and so on and so on. But it's also courting, well, isn't it? Courting, it is exactly courting that. Them. I know when I first started trying to raise money away from starting doing joint ventures, then it, it was almost like I wanted it a week on Tuesday. And I realised early early days that that actually it is a longer kind of game. And, and we've done well from joint venture money and loans and so on um, over the years. And um, and and I think uh, you know that that was a was a challenging thing. But then once you get that that support from somebody who says, right, okay, I've got X amount of money and. On the terms that we've agreed to go with something, but then the challenge then is you then taking people's finance and money, and you then have a big responsibility with it. So I would say one of the big challenges is actually pulling the deal off based on the fact that it's not your money. You know, I'd say that you know if it's not your money, it adds such a, a level of complexity. And, and if you go into these things in a genuine kind of you know straight way, then also as well you wouldn't actually feel that. The people out there that don't feel that. I would say are not particularly straight because yeah. because you know there's something slightly dodgy about something that wrong with them, isn't it? Yeah, because they're just there's a non-caring approach, whereas we do and have always kind of you know cared about um, you know how things go. They don't always work out as as well as maybe we we should do. We've always had a comfortable position of of that if that's the case, then we'll communicate with the with somebody who's a joint venture partner or whatever and, and settle in a in a in a different way but mm, so that's, that's one of the things that I've always liked though about being with you working with you is that you're not afraid of telling somebody straight away all of the pitfalls etc so and you're honest from day one um, which is actually something my old man said that he heard about you 
because I am stuck with bloody martial arts. My old man's majorly into it, fought for England. And then I actually go home the first day I met him, met you, Kim. I was like, oh, yeah, I've been with Kim Stones today. And Dad was like, oh, he's a legend. So then I got even more talk about Kim. So I had, well, I had enough of you that day. He was like... Double whammy, then yeah, you get to meet me. Double whammy, yeah. <laughs> I know, how lucky was I? But I think it is that honesty. But the recurring theme coming through most of these questions with mistakes and issues and stuff does seem to be time and that you know property is time intensive and it does take time and I am in the younger Emery just than you but I am in that instantaneous world where we can get information ridiculously quick and that does affect our goals and what we want because we're not patient anymore like I can load my phone up and get an answer to a question mm. in twenty seconds. Yeah, and that it's a good thing. It I is. Mean, it's I, I really good thing. Fan- I find it fascinating because you know, Ryan will tell you, I'm not not naturally you know wired for the world that actually we're in now. You know, in a lot of ways. Or anyway. But you know. <laughs> 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 but 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 at the same time as well, it's like um, you know. You know, it being in a in a in a situation where sometimes it's, it you get it gets too fast, so mm. it's like you know part of my role I think with our relationship is is getting things down to to the realities of things and and, and at the same time you know but not taking it too far you know mm. you, you go negative the other way. There's a, a lot of theme with questions like that are coming through now. It's fear. Mm. You know, I can read in the questions and you look and go, yeah, it's a totally sensible question, but a lot of it is based on fear, um, and education. Fear is broken down by education, stroke, DD. You know, yeah. knowledge, due diligence. Yeah. Don't get bogged down by the fact that I've got to spend thirty-five grand getting educated in ten different subjects, for instance. Yeah. That's fine. It gives you a taste of each one, but actually, what you find is your focus then can be all over the place. Yeah. You know, I would, I would not That's spend that money. I would spend. I'm not saying don't spend money. I'm, Pro-education, by the way, you know, totally, but, but don't go mad with it, because effectively, every penny you save is going towards your future mm. um, career as a property investor, you know, so you go from that position, yes, spend a bit of money, but at the same time as well, like I said earlier about the resources that are out there, then the resources mean that you can you can utilise those resources and get knowledge, but be patient with it, but a lot of the questions that we, I seem to be coming through, and I see a lot on Facebook and are based on fear well that's natural we're all fearful we're not set up to be uh, and that's one thing that I've noticed a lot more recently especially with my background in in trading and I spent a lot of time on mentality for trading we're not set up to lose money you know when you when you're growing up you're always told that money is like yeah you've got to look after it you've got to look after it you've got to look after it and when you're actually outlaying that money, it's a it is a risk, and we're not we're not set up for that. And it's about managing your own mind. And we're going to come to emotional bank account under one of the things that you've taught me um, towards sort of towards the end of the podcast. But we're genuinely not set up for for these kind of things. Um, so I will move on to the next question. Which isn't really a question, actually. It's a bit of feedback from somebody who, who I can actually I can agree with this feedback, and it's 
to tell you never to change from your real world pragmatic way. They think it's a really refreshing change from the magical mindset mastery stuff that others are chatting. And I don't think I don't think you'll ever change. I don't think you're wired that way. I think a spade is a spade with you and it always will be. And I think that's one of the things that actually draws people to working with you. I know that when I speak to people and it drives me mad now because all those bloody phrases that you say, I pick them up. And <laughs> we're similar in a lot of ways and they yeah. and they pick up on that and they go, oh, I can see why you two work together. But that rubs off on me and keeps keeps me genuine and grounded, not saying that I would be anything other. But no, but it's, good. It's, it's like quality. When you look at the quality in yourself, this is yeah. talking to people that are out there. I'm not obviously sat here talking to you know, my business partner, Ryan, and it's like, you know, but look at look at yourself, you know, and, and when you look at yourself, you've got to kind of be honest with yourself, and in as much as you know the goods and the bads of yourself, but then also as well, ultimately, you've got to think, well, what's your goals? You know, what is your goal in life? You know, and if you're going to do property or do whatever activity, I mean, whether it's martial arts in the past or whatever, then you know you want to you want to give it your best shot. Mm. Um, you know what I see in Ryan, obviously, is that that beautiful. Kind of like enthusiasm and that focus and that great smoother. I mean, I'm just saying he is a really good smoother. You know, and he gets to the, to the people that that um, you know that have got the information, but in a in a nice way, in a in a, in a kind of you know, a good networking way. So I see all that. Yeah, and at the same time as well, you know, there's a confidence there that that maybe sometimes I look up and go, <laughs> oh, here we go. You know, he's, he's taking me around, uh, you know, early doors when we first met him, taking me around an 18,000 square foot building. I'm thinking, Never forget that. what are we doing here? Now, ironically, you know, when you fast forward a, a couple of years now, you just think, well, actually, if our mindsets had been maybe a little bit different at the time, or mm. possibly even my mindset, then actually maybe we could have pulled that, pulled that off. But then that comes with knowledge. As you do something, then all of a sudden what was stressful and, Kind of, well, we do it, won't we do it? And then suddenly once you've done it once, you kind of forget it almost. You almost forget all those emotions and go for it because then you've learned something new or a new way. We just, Ryan just interviewed a, a Kevin Wright who's a, a ninja finance guy and, it, and it's great to listen to him because of the structures that he's using and the late completions and so on. Real smart kind of strategy. Now, once you've done that and it's worked, then you kind of forget it. So... Going back to what I said a little while ago about you know when you when you when you look and look at it, if you're looking at all that, actually, yeah, along the way, and this is what I've seen in Ryan, actually, as we've gone along, you go, actually, this is going to happen, mm. you know, and and things have started to happen. It happened with the George and Dragon uh, from the days when we, we were we were doing some you know business in Lincoln, uh, the HMO world, the smaller ones, and when he rang up and said the first word he said were, you know, we're buying it. You know, and that were it, and, and he already knew the criteria, he knew the, the, the numbers, and he knew kind of generally where we were coming from, and, and sure enough, we, we did, and I mean, that one, I think, it's, I think it's just under 600, and I think it's under yeah. something like 585, 90, it's a 1.1 million um, valuation, I mean, it's a cracking unit. Cracking you know, yield. It's great, great yield, yield on that's huge. Fantastic yield, and, and you know, it, it's a stormer, but. At that stage, maybe it was a bit more. We stood outside thinking, "Oh, you know, wow, is, this, were, is this the right?" You had a few sleepless nights over there. I, I did, yeah. I slept like you know, a baby. You do, yeah. I'm yeah. an old school guy that yeah. kind of, you know, jumps through the numbers and jumps through the, the possibilities of things. But 
but it, it's those kind of qualities. And, and, and going back to you know what we were saying there is that, that, uh, is that you know I think you've just got to kind of you know, look at the overview of it's a long journey. Yeah. Think of it as a long journey, and it's not a short journey. Mistakes will be made. You've got to mitigate the mistakes, is what I try and say. Like the what ifs, you know, and that's probably where I'm. I, I'm kind of a bit more kind of focused on that because clearly, clearly, you know, the what if is that if that didn't work out this way, what what would we have done with this project, or what mm. would we have done with that project? Um, you have got. To, I think you've got to have an escape plan almost in place or a secondary. Kind of project uh, that maybe you know maybe splitting the plot in half, or it might be um, you know splitting the building in half, or something like that. That then kind of mitigates that that what if or angle, you know, yeah. uh, you know the angle on it, um, and maybe don't buy a deal unless there is an angle. An angle might be buying a, a, a one bed flat that actually is quite a big square footage flat that you can then turn into two beds. Yeah, there's an angle. Yeah, especially if you listen to the podcast from Nick Carlisle, he always talks about how deals are created. And I think some of it goes back to, as well, the people you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with people who are like you, then that helps you in your property, I don't like that word, but property journey, property career, because you can take it to people who are like you, who will give you advice. I mean, we spend a lot of time literally sat in the office hashing out everything all possible angles on deals until we have created that deal like the way what we're doing right now on this podcast is pretty much what we do all the time and and hash out a deal and, and look at the angle and we we do spend a lot of time meeting with the right people which everybody can do that now if you want to to be a developer go find a developer doing it and speak to them if you want to do hmos find someone doing that and people want to talk and want to help you. There's loads and loads of people out there. Um, so another question is, if you were to start again all over today, this one comes from starting from tomorrow, sorry, and you only had £100,000 in the bank, what strategy would you employ and why to grow that 100000 over the next five years? Oh, there's a million ways to skin a cat. Yeah, I think hundred thousand, you know, is a lot of money, depending on where you are. Again, you know, it's it's easy to have a kind of um, one one shoe fits everybody kind of approach. That it just isn't like that. You know, you've got to look at where you live, where you are, what the demand is in that area. So, hundred thousand, for instance, in London, clearly in Kensington, if you're a property investor, isn't going to go very far. No. You know, it might buy a couple of you know wheels to your Mercedes if you're lucky. You know, and it's like, but then under a thousand in, in Doncaster might buy, you know, uh, it might buy a, 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 an HMO or an house that needs HMO in for, say, um, you know, I don't know, 60,000 or whatever, 70,000. Is that going to be full 52 weeks of the year? Uh, on, for passive income. For passive income. Passive income. Um, and uh, possibly in the right area. Possibly. Probably Series. not. So we're all going to pay on the first of the month? Definitely not. Have you found your gold mine area? <laughs> Just I'm still looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> sorry, we're misbehaving now. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. I mean, it's just being realistic. You know, if the answer is hundred thousand starting now. What would I do? It's hard because what I would do now isn't what I would have done when I started. Yeah. Same. There's the there's the problem. 
Because what I do right now is I look and think, right, 100,000, I would probably buy an HMO uh, in Doncaster, um, renovate it. I'd have Kimco property manager at Letting with my daughter Chelsea. Nice little there. plug there. I like that plug. I like that plug. So yeah. I got that in. Yeah, yeah very well. Um, Natural salesman. I would, I would, you know, the, the, the company uh, is based at 6567 in Netherwell Road. Again, Do you want the number as well? Uh, it's 562 7888 01302. Basically, then we'd manage it because it's short. We'd, we'd manage it, or Kimco would manage it in Doncaster and so on. So, so that kind of works, you know, for the, for the Doncaster market. You know, in Lincoln, we're, we're in a different market. It's a higher level market from a costing point of view. It's a different market. And yeah. what we're doing in Lincoln is is more on a development basis. Yeah. Um, if I was starting out, you know, as an individual now, you know, from a majority point of view, the majority of people would say, right, I'm going to buy an house and rent it. That fundamentally tends to be the thing. I would suggest, actually, maybe that's the first stage to do, maybe even before somebody gets into HMOs. Mm. Uh, unless you can find such a gold mine area like Doncaster, um, um, a, a, again, it's like you know, you've got to look at your circumstances. What somebody wants from it, somebody might have a yeah. career, so they're going to say, right. Or I recently met a, met a great guy. You'll know who he is. Great guy. He's a dentist now, um, and he's, um, he's he's a great guy, and he, he has a career. He likes doing the dentistry. He's into all sorts of kind of cosmetic dentistry now and so on. He's only a young man. He's just bought his first, or he's just agreed it. I think it's not completed yet, it's on its way. Uh, he's just bought his first buy-to-let. He's got a great price on it. Uh, it's a two-bed just near, where, near the office where, where, where we are. Um, and he's doing great on it, you know, a good yield on it and so on. But it, it's took him quite a while to get to that point to pull the trigger, but he's done the right thing. Yeah, right he's, thing he's, he's studied. We had, a, I had a, you know, some time with him. He, he came and spent half a day with me. Um, and he's kind of worked things out. He's kind of not rushed into things and so on. Now, it doesn't mean to say that, that after that, or then go on to do HMOs or do commercials and, uh, and so on, which is really what's happened to me over the last uh, 20 years of investing. Um, you know, some more successful than others. You know, if you could look back and go, right, I've got me 100,000. I want to get a definite return of X amount. I want this, 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 and this. Well, I'm afraid we all want what you, what is there on paper. Yeah, but are we in reality, so you know, I, I use the word edge a lot. What you've got to do is hedge things where you go, right, I want this, I want this return, and I want that rent roll and that. But if I get 80% of that, would I still be happy? Yeah. Would I still be satisfied? And I think that's the edge of any sort of deal you're going to do, whether it's a buy-to-let, a, a vanilla buy-to-let, uh, which is where I suggest most people start, by the way. I do think you should get into a mode on the cycle. If if we're having this conversation in 2009, 10, 11, Ooh. I'd say definitely not. You know, don't go down the selling road because the, the world has kind of changed dramatically in, in the UK property world. Or in the north, maybe not in the south, but in the north. So if you look at it from that point of view, then um, back then you wouldn't do that. But if you look at the strategies moving forward, we, we all know about the Brexit thing, it's driving all those bonkers, we want to get on with it. If we're going to leave, we obviously just leave one as way, get it done and sorted and so on. So the world can kind of get satisfied again about investing. Now, off the back of that, we're watching that and following that trend because trends become what market you want to be in. Mm. You know, therefore, you, you're either going to go to that market or you're going to find that market locally. And the knowledge of that then being you can apply that 100,000 to get a return on it. But, but really moving forward, I'd suggest that maybe you look at buying 
go one buy to let, do it up, rent it, learn the experience from that, and then buy another buy to let, do it on another uh, property to actually then sell. It doesn't have to be a first time buyer property you buy. Yeah. You might be buy an old, you know, knackered, you know, buy to let area, low end area that then you could then do up and sell on to an investor. You've got to talk to the agents though. You've got to go to the agents first and find out what's selling. You know, what their project projections are of the next say six months, twelve months and what is gonna sell right now. Because that changes dramatically from area to area mm. and from economy, you know, each area has its own economy. So that also changes as well. So you've got to have that knowledge based on what, what the demand is out there. You know, if there's a demand, then you can feed that demand. But never 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 um expect that that demand is going to be there for the rest of your life no it's going to change it's you know, always about waves back in the day when i started you know i started in the days when we could do rent backs where the tenant you know we, we bought properties from a, an existing owner they then became the tenant that paid the mortgage with a bit of profit on it mm. we then refinanced that moved on to the next one and i bought lo lots and lots of singlets like that i thought i died and gone to heaven and my goal was to buy 200 singlet properties Oh, I look back now to a lot of tenants, on, yeah. it, you know. I mean, I look back now and I think that w what for me looking back on it was a strategy that worked because as the market was going, the goal then was to get to two hundred and then start selling and then end up paying down as the market would continue to grow. Now, obviously, with what happened, the world changed, so that dramatically changed that strategy. Rent backs were banned, mm. so you know that was that strategy went overnight. So I would suggest whatever strategy you pick, do your due diligence on it, Matt. But is it a short term, I'm in and I'm out, just yep. like stocks and shares, I'm in and I'm out and making the money, or is it a long term hold? And if you're long term holding, what what kind of things can come along that actually could, could really, really damage your business? And you know, unfortunately, like, like what's happening now with licensing and all the things to do in the HMO market, for instance, with all the things that are out there, doesn't mean to say that the HMO market is going to go away. It's not. We actually think that once the Brexit thing is settled, the demand for foreign workers is still going to be there. They're still going to come. We're still going to allow them, which is a good thing. The, the UK needs them. Um, Amazon in Donks have just announced 800 more jobs. Well, you know, I'd say at least 70% of them are going to be Romanian or Polish or whatever. Mm. And that's the market. It's the place we can't fill those jobs with English people. It's just, you know, at 4% unemployment, I think it is at the moment, mm. like, it's just, they're just not there. So as an economy, we've got to have that relationship there. So our thoughts would be right as a, as a long-term strategy. What headwinds are going to come along that, that are going to affect it? Now, what I will say is that is there anything that's going to come along that's going to wipe you out? Yeah. That's fundamental what we're talking about. And if, if it's not, and you can weather the storm of an investment model over a period of, you know, like, you know years and years, then that's the way to look at it. But also as well, look at it as being a, that is investing. Investing isn't for a year. No. no it's no, 10, no. 20 no, years. Unless you're doing a short-term short flip and then you get out of it if it sells. But I think you've got to think about the person, what they want as well. Like Because some people are never, they might be in a job which they love and they've got 100 grand cash. Now, today's age, they can partner up with, with developers they can use crowdfunding they could pay for a flip they could use their money and loan it to somebody as a bridge they could buy a couple of buy-to-lets they could buy HMO they could do whatever they wanted but I think 
the, the people who are in that situation need to sit down with multiple people who are doing it, genuinely multiple people who are genuinely doing it, real, real people, and ask them the pitfalls and find out. Because if you're thinking you could turn 100 grand into a couple of HMOs, great, yes. But if you haven't got the time or the inclination to do that, then why bother? There's so many ways you could skin a cat with 100 grand. And there's so many different things of, of doing it. And we spend quite a lot of time talking to people who have money in the bank, who want to get into property, but for whatever reason, they're scared of doing something or they don't want to do HMO because they haven't got the time. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you use your 100 grand and just bought three buy to lets and that's all you ever did, it wouldn't matter. I, w- I would have probably, just, I was just thinking about that question there about the 100,000. I think what I'd have probably done is I'd, have, I'd approach existing, reputable, that's the key, yeah. reputable investors, and I'd have probably offered them 80,000. Mm. I'd have kept 20,000 as a buffer, yeah. offer them 80,000 on a loan basis of 10% a year. Uh, if, if anybody's offering 15%, 20% question return on a, on, a, on a normal, this is on a normal loan basis, this is not when you're doing a crown, because crown's yeah. different, it's equity to do a crown. But it's like, if you on a normal loan basis, I think you start pushing it. You know, I, I'm I'm very uncomfortable. You know, at twelve percent plus. Mm. You know, it, it's a lot of return to give to then try and pull a deal off, which is possible. Don't get me wrong; it's doable. It's just that I do think it needs to be. You know, twelve percent is is quite quite high up now from a, a loan return point of view. Ten percent is attractive. Eight percent is still a great return uh, on loans and so on. But I would kind of you know try and you know. Um, Get a relationship going with somebody that, that actually uh, you know is, is already developing and, and yeah. needs needs people around them. You see, years ago it was the banks. Yeah. You know, what the world's changed dramatically, you know, and it's what's happened is the banks have become so obviously um, you know scared in a way of obviously the recession and all the rest of it. So they're still in that kind of zone in a way. So their rules and regulations have become so stringent and strong mm. that actually people who are developing and into property have found it a lot harder to actually move forward yet so that's why we decided you know quite a few years ago to actually do you know joint ventures and, and, and so on and things can happen i mean with a joint venture basis you know and i, I joint ventures before the recession and that and things you know kind of obviously hurt you know in the recession period and, that, and i had to kind of have those conversations with my the joint venture partners who who you know were, were great but at the same time as well things can happen things Risk versus reward, and you know things do have. Um, you can get rewards out there, but there are there are risks involved. But I would, you know, I would uh, joint venture with, with somebody and then learn from them. Yeah. You know, mirror them. But I'd say actually, yeah. look, I'm going to lend you me eighty thousand. But I want to be involved. But I want to just watch what you're doing. I'm yeah. not, gonna, you know, I'm not going to interfere or anything. Yeah. And that guy might say, like we've done, it's like we've well, we'll done. Yeah. You know, hang on here. You're backing us. Okay, we'll then back you. We'll back you. Have that conversation, but that, but the title we feel it's one of the things simple equity are doing, they're pushing that quite well. A learn and earn, so you can invest in three or four deals with that hundred grand potentially. And you might do a planning gain, you might do HMO, you might do rent to rent, you might whatever. And then you you sort of get exposed hands on to that. And I know John Corey's big on the, the learning pyramid that when you actually are actively involved, you learn a lot more and retain it, which is always. I also think as well, it's like when you do, uh, you know, it's like the seminar side of it, you know, there's a lot of money being chucked at seminars, I'm pro-education, I think it's kind of re-established that, uh, however, to a level, 
but at the same time as well, people chuck money at, at seminar people, at coaches and gurus and so on. And they chuck money at them thinking that they're automatically going to get kind of return. Now, until you have some sort of kind of extra pain in there, by that I mean responsibility or something that kind of resonates with you, then you will learn off the back of that. Yeah. We have spoke a lot about pain, haven't we? Mm. It's one of the things we talk about a lot, that you've got to feel that hurt. Got to. It's putting yourself in a situation where that's where you learn. Yes. That's when you, when I said earlier about, you know, there's deals we've, we've got stressed about and yeah. kind of wound up about, and then I look back now, and it's just like, you know, we've just run, we've, we've, we've pulled them off as it were, been successful, therefore you don't even think about it anymore. But looking back on it, at the time, mm. it was extremely kind of stressful in a lot of ways, you know, and there was risk versus reward and so on. However, that's what actually happens to you. So if you can get yourself in a position and, and loaning somebody £8,000 potentially might be that situation. I'm not saying that's the be-all and end-all for everybody. It's not. You know, the other way is actually buying something. Yeah. If you buy a buy-to-let and you own it, the mortgage is in your name, then, you know, the mortgage is you know, the French word for, for till death. Basically, that's what it is. So therefore, you have that responsibility. You know, you've got to pay that mortgage. You've got to get the tenant in there and so on. Then you will learn ultimately far more from that process than actually learning 20 different strategies over a period of a year and not doing anything that, you know it's like every one every month would look like a, a, a fantastic great idea to a newbie yeah and then you end up chasing running around trying to chase every and not of, putting enough you know, effort into just one as opposed to look at one you know rinse it is probably yeah. you know, favorite word yeah. you know rinse it and as much as you know, rinse it in as much as explore it two hundred percent. So you make a decision, then you go, no, this is now my strategy. I'm now going to go down this road, and I'm going to give it hundred percent, hundred twenty percent, as opposed to being flaky with lots of different kind of ideas. Because ultimately, as well, no disrespect to people that that get into property or get into anything like forex trading, it might be any sort of investment thing that's out there that's being sold nowadays. But ultimately. It's like, it, it, is, the, is it suitable for that person? For that person is the person. Mm -hmm. Is the personality suited for it? Is the, the determination? Or is it something where a lot of these people want to be, you know, millionaires a week on Tuesday uh, and do it easily? Yeah. You know, well, I'm it's afraid. Easy. You know, I'm a bit of a <laughs> naysayer, but I just tell it as it is. And that's yeah. what it comes down to, is that telling it as it is, it's not like that. You know, and in a way, I find it quite a little bit, it does irritate me a little people that know me will tell you um it irritates me that actually i think it's kind of undermining all the hard work and effort and longevity we've put yeah. into it when we see all these adverts about being a millionaire week on tuesday kind of thing and i think that's disingenuous and, and it, i find it quite insulting mm -hmm. that actually the the kind of uh, insulting the um you know the established property fraternity as it were and investors that are out there that, that work really, really hard, you know, at, at what, what they do. Mm. Which leads into Bill Stewardson's comments that he'd like to to raise and speak with you about. And he says, this comes from Property Tribes, and he said, it seems more than ever that new investors are being ripped off and exploited by dodgy mentors and courses. I don't have a question in particular, but I would like to hear Kim emphasised how property is a marathon, not a sprint, and new investors need to do their research and plan, 
nothing meaningful ever got built on poor foundations, which to be fair, we've gone over throughout most of this podcast. It's all sort of linking back to the fact that it does take time. It's not going to be overnight. And I, I love what you've just said there, that it's quite insulting that they, they make it out like that because it isn't like that and, it, and the hard work that you put in. I think so. I mean, Phil, I mean, Phil, Phil will get to listen to this and you know, hopefully he will, but if, you don't, if you're there, Phil, you know, we, we're very grateful for the input that Phil yeah. had into, you know, and, and I'm not saying he's, you know, he's not sat and spent hours and hours and hours with us because he didn't need to. When you, when you see somebody who, um, of Phil's cal- calibre and his experience and his brother as well, um, and the, what they've done in the property business is pretty amazing. So when, when Phil asked a few questions when we were doing the Georgian Dragon and, and he, he kind of you know, answered a, a few things that really kind of gave me a, gave us a little bit of confidence about what we eventually actually went on went on to do you know, which is successful with that project um, and, and just tells it as is and, and I think like you know, being like-minded as much as we, we probably think I think similar in a lot of ways and you know, we're into developing now and so on then uh, Phil's you know, input to it is clearly that he's seen like we're all seeing that, that, that really there's quite a lot of disgenuous uh, things happening out there in the, the, the property um, coaching, mentoring world or whatever that, that is out there um, that, that really isn't being handled or being done in a, in a way that, that we can really respect probably one of the best ways mm. of, of, of putting it and, uh, and, and like I say you know, education is, 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 is helpful and it, it works and it, it can kind of have a, a big impact and input to your journey but you know you don't have to go off and spend natural fortunes doing it. But we, we seem to be hearing that you know more and more as this kind of. I do hear this this word you know buyer beware. You know it's okay just buyer beware. Mm. You know to me I think it's a cop out that you know and, and I'll be honest you know I, I come from a you know originally started doing rent to rent. I know rent to rent has some grey areas. I'm, I'm fully understanding of that. We've always handled it in a very professional way and in a fair way and so on and so on. I'm sure there's some players out there that didn't handle it that way, and that's where Rent to Rent got a bad reputation as well. However, at the same time as well, I did do a few courses back in the day, made, made a few bob at it. I could have made a lot, lot more money at it, but early, early day, days, I, I, I realised that I didn't really want to be teaching really what, what I do, if I'm honest, probably the best way of putting it. Mm. You know, I chose and choose to do what I do, but I really didn't want to be involved in, in the teaching side of it. Primarily, a lot of it was to do with the the fact that I'd be sat in front of people that I honestly, deep down, believe would have absolutely zero chance of doing, doing um, the business, doing what we were doing, and so on. And, and I just felt that's this is not part part of the journey for me. Mm. And it was at that point I decided it was a conscious decision because actually, you know, financially um, it would have been a yeah probably a good play to to grow that side of it. But I consciously decided to go down a joint venture and loan route. Uh, which is which is you know the best thing I've ever done. Mm. Um, you know I do I have to say as well that the rent to rent route actually bring brought us to me and Ryan sat here today because yeah. it was because I was doing seminars that the, the conversation started when Ryan rang up um, to inquire about the, the rent to rent negotiate. So he was negotiating like a good one. Yeah, he he offered me his is to teach me about his the Betfair. Uh, and he does make money at it, by the way. He's very, very good at it. But to teach me about what he was doing, and, and I wasn't really interested. 
an exchange for one of my courses and, and I, I quickly said no. And then um, you got smoothed. And then I got smoothed, yeah. He smoothed me and, and but he did yeah, you know, I, I was always intrigued to see the difference between Doncaster and Leeds and houses and, mm-hmm. and the market and Lincoln, which uh, which is only about thirty miles away, but a, a, so a exactly more buoyant, the same. Buoyant, buoyant, <laughs> buoyant market. So we came out of here and I said, Well come out and meet with and spent hours and hours and hours in Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Drinking coffee and, and you know conquering the world. To, I was just going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah, that's scary, isn't I was it? Just say exactly oh. same, conquering the world. Um, and we were going to do a variety of things. I mean, we decided to. We did some rent to renters, and we still got some of them, and and everything okay. But it was a case of it, it gave us the time to test each other and, and see, and see whether see whether we yeah. could put up with each other. Yeah, I think that's worked out all right. Now um, I'm stuck. And he's stuck to everything, he's stuck to yeah, life now. That's it. Now, one of the things you said to me early on, though, which actually is the next thing, is emotional bank account. Now, you literally did the, one of the first things. We sat in Starbucks and you went, can you handle this, 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 and this? Like, rooms getting trashed, yeah, yeah. tenants swearing, effing and blinding that year, getting called everything, not paying, chasing the rent to go around and talk to them about the rent all these kind of things that aren't actually portrayed in the in the property world i remember saying that yeah i remember uh, ta- i remember thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna chuck in yeah a lot you, of kind of negatives and see what ryan's reaction and is. you did and i found myself talking to somebody a few weeks ago actually and it scared the hell out of me because he said that he had a single let that he was thinking that the tenant hadn't paid their rent on etc etc and he's thinking about converting it to a hmo and I literally said exactly the same as what you said to me. Well, you've got to think about your emotional bank account because, you know, who you're going to be putting in there, this is what they're going to do. And I think, and I, people don't realise that. And even when I've talked to my partner, Sarah, she says about rooms and stuff and, you know, well, they've got contracts. And I said to her, well, do you know what? The second you realise that that contract for you as a landlord is not even worth the paper it's written on, or in our case, it's electronic, um, then you know you understand rooms because they will leave and they won't pay. I think, I think you've got, well, you've got, you've got I mean, we're, we're fortunate in as much as we've got systems in place, you know, and it, and it takes a lot of years to get good at something. I think that's mm. the moral of it as well. You know, we've become good in Doncaster. You know, when, when uh, you know, the Doncaster market is, is more transient, um, we're fully staffed up, 450 rooms now. Um, you know, we own a good percentage of those. You know, the rest we manage for landlords. You know, emotional bank account. You know, really is something that I, I thought about quite a few years ago. Now, and I, I realise that we all have certain things that stress us more than other things. It's like you meet one person, and one thing will stress stress them to death. Mm. Yet you meet the, the other person that lives the same circumstance, and, and it doesn't. You know, well, why is that? You know. Fundamentally, we all react to different things in different ways. In Doncaster, you know, with the market that we've been in now for, we've got some great tenants. You know, don't get me wrong, we've got some great, you know, they, they do pay and they pay on time, they don't trash the rooms or the property we've got. However, you've got an element always in property that do that. And the bigger you get, the more you see that. It's just that you tend to, you tend to remember the negative yeah. part of it as opposed to the positive. Now, it creates a great living, you know, for me and, and, and my wife and me family and so on and, and all that side of it but in, in when we came across to Lincoln the intriguing thing that happened was quite funny was that I had this impression and, and I think really a lot of that came from the marketing and publicity that was out there 
was this, you know, you know, working professional kind of talent and so on. And we, you know, I we ended up in Lincoln and so on. And the first test, obviously, was with the so-called working professionals. But they fundamentally actually created a, just as many kind of challenges that, that if you've got systems in place, you can overcome it. It's just that when me and Ryan kind of, you know, both sat and worked through this, we just thought, well, for our goals moving forward, the next stage clearly was students. And the student market for us is, is, is ultimately far, far better, even though we'll still trash some of the rules and they'll still be untidy and they'll still be scruffy and they'll still be, you know, fundamentally you've got a different business model. So from our point of view, or from my point of view, it was intriguing to see that kind of thing happen. And that's what's happened is that it's like to see that happen, to then go, right, okay, that's as due diligence really to think about. Yeah, it is. Because Ryan said, you know, early doors were like, oh, well, you know, and, and let's be honest about it, Ryan, Ryan's the person that's in the front line here. He's here. He's the one that deals with this side of it. And it's like, fundamentally, the model changed because we tested it. You know, the good thing about rent-to-rent -rent, uh, is that it, it's not there forever. Yeah, you, you get know, to test it. We get to test it. We test some. Some of the rent-to-renters now, we're, we're just about to buy one. We've got another two lined up. Um, so that's worked out, working out great because we tested them. We like you know, what we've seen, we like the rent grow and so on and so on, and therefore we're gonna we're gonna buy them. We're gonna be like five, six bedrooms. Um so it gives us the, the ability to test them, but also as well moving forward, you know, from a, a model point of view, we then start to look at kind of other things. So the knock on from this is that, that Ryan kinda, you know, I suppose really does thought, well hang on a minute, you know, I don't particularly want to run a you know, a letting agency or or even a student agency. As such, no. in the case of we can we can facilitate other people to do that. We've got some great backers, you know, some great um, you know student kind of you know tenant finders and so on to do that. So the overall picture was 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 basically doing our due diligence, testing it, making some mistakes, doing okay, you know, doing good, maybe not doing good as what we we should have done in some areas that. But then it allows us to kind of move to the next stage, and that's why I said earlier about. Yes, you're going down the strategy road, but don't don't put all your chips in it. Yeah, early you might need to pivot. Pivot a bit, test mm -hmm. it a bit. Put it like that. Nice. It's like, you know, test it a bit and do it where you're not pulling, but then it, it, it may enable you to test it. But going back to the emotional bank account is fundamentally about all this. It's about you as a person. You know, yeah. identify and sit down, look in the mirror and be brutally honest with yourself as an investor. Mm -hmm. Am I wanting to be an investor because I want to be known as a, as a millionaire property investor, or is it the fact that I truly want that for the right reasons, or is it just a bit of a fantasy? Because what you don't want to do is then push down the road of buying something or trying to develop something or maybe buy five or six properties, 10 properties, to suddenly realize that actually, yeah. I don't want to be an investor. I like the idea of being wealthy, yeah. but I don't want to be an investor. So if you back that up from early doors, early days, then you can say, right, I'm going to be truthful to myself. I mentioned earlier about me, my dentist. We know who we are. Who are. I'm not naming people today, but you know who you are. Um, he knows he is. And an example there is he's got a great career. You know, he's going to make a serious amount of money doing what he's doing. He's passionate about it. And he's very, very good at it. Yet he wants to invest along the way. So it's clearly what he's doing. He's going, right, I'm going to build a portfolio. I'm going to have it managed. But then his due diligence has been on us. Mm, donks, yeah. It's a donks property. So what he's done is done his due diligence by getting to know me and Chelsea, and, and he has a confidence that I'm going to have now got an agency 
it can actually do what you say they're going to do and do it to the best of their ability. So from his point of view, he's clearly identified that um, as being something like that for the next, say, 10 years, and he'll, he'll, he'll probably you know, look at it then and think, well, hang on a minute, mm. I now like the 10 props that I've got, I want to do that full time. Mm. But not doing it from a view, a point of view of being, again, you know, a millionaire week on Tuesday, because fundamentally to become a millionaire, you have to get a million pounds worth of property. Yeah. Whichever way you look at it, yeah. You can't, you know, because even if it's got full debt on it, you know, there's an old saying, a million a million pound of debt today in 10 years is a million pound the next. Yeah. That's changed a little bit, I might add, with the recession and yeah. the unknowns moving forward. But fundamentally, what it's saying is that if you can get hold of that property and you can pay for that property and you can hold that property for 10 years, 15, 20 years, then absolutely, that's the case. You will become more wealthy than you are today. But to get through that... Yeah, it's, it's all, all about the emotional bank account and when yeah. you can cope with bad tenants, when you can cope with the stress and the strain, Boilers. does it excite you for yeah. all these things? And I think that's one of the things that I like to get hold of, and it, and it comes from Phil's question. But yeah, but I know how Phil Phil feels about it, and uh, you know we feel the same. And it's like you know we, we're just having a go, doing doing what we're doing, and, and having a go. You know, we we just, but at the same time as well, it's not reckless. You know, I think when I started investing, I probably were a bit reckless with buying the properties. You know, but I probably bought too many too quick. It worked. It's worked out fine. You know, the yields have gone to have been, been you know, pretty good. So I'm, I, you know, I think that kind of helps as well. Um, but at the same time as well, you, you get into the next stages of, of each stage of your mm -hmm. your property career, or when you become a, a developer. Which you know, I was an investor. Somebody said to me. Three years ago, you know, what yeah. you do? I'd say I'm an investor. My fault, that. Now, you know, it's his fault, and I'll say, oh, well, I'm a developer. Blame me for everything you do. Because now we've gone, it's your fault. It's my fault. It's, it's his fault. It's <laughs> your fault. <laughs> but it's like, it's good fault, so. Yeah. But, Pass it on to me. He's, you know, he's, he's added, Ryan's added a, a dimension that, that, you know, for a lot of different reasons, to do with, like I said earlier, snoozing, you know, you know, go up, you know, go out there and start connecting with people. And Nick Kyle Carlisle did a did a absolutely brilliant podcast that Ryan did. Mm, uh, I who, love who, that. Who, by the way, is the new Jonathan Ross of the property world. I think. Um, he uh, he did a. I listened to the podcast last week. Now it was great. I mean, he, he's super experienced, you know, super successful. Um, I've known Nick for a lot of years, and and watched his pro. He's brilliant, you know, in so many ways. So it was a great podcast and that. But he said some things in there that actually, you know, I, I agree with. You know. 99.9%. Now, Nick will probably tell me off for this. He said, don't fake it until you make it. And his words were, sorry, Nick, don't fake it till you make it. And he's absolutely right. What he was saying there, I think, is that when you go into an agency to buy a property, make sure yeah. you can buy it. Yes. You know, that's what he meant by that. I've actually used the same words, sorry, Nick, and I have actually said, fake it until you make it. And I'm going to stand by those words, but in different contexts. I think Nick's absolutely right. You know, you don't want to be messing with these agents about you're going to try and buy a property. Don't be them and so on. But actually, if you think about it like this, I, from from the position I came from, is that when I started buying property, you know, I might have had one or two. And the lady said this to me. She knows who she is. She's a very successful lady again. Um, she did say to me, "Buy three, sell two, keep one," and I didn't listen strong enough, and I shouldn't have done. And that, that's one of my regrets, you know, looking back on it. But you know, you know, I'm not unhappy the way what, with what they've done. But at the 
same time as well, that, that's what I would do. But then she did also say, look, what I want you to do, she did a bit of a course, she said, I want you to get a business card, I want you to look real professional, this is the days when we had business cards. Yeah, what are they? Yeah, they're going out now, aren't they? Yeah. Um, you know, and, it had, and basically, you know, we buy houses fast for cash, uh, established property professional kind of thing and so on, uh, and it's how you portray yourself. If you buy a first property, one property, say the buy to let, you then, you know, you have a bad tenant, you then go and tell everybody in the whole world what a bad tenant, tenant and bad experience it was. Mm. You think somebody's going to come and loan you 100000 to buy your next property? Probably not. So my thought on it is, when I say fake it till you make it, I don't like that and it's, I'm faking it. What I am saying is that, is that you've got to look at yourself as being, go out there, buy several, you know, four, five, six properties, get used to that, then at that point, you know, you've got to kind of be talking a good fight. You know, you've got to be out there um, portraying yourself in a way that people you can win confidence to people. You know, and that's what's going to attract um, you know people to you. You know, when when you go and meet a, a valuer or a, a, an estate agent or whoever, then you know you've got to be positive about it. That no, don't fake the fact that you can buy a property when you know damn well you can. Yeah. That is faking it, and I absolutely totally agree with what you're saying. Because uh, you're just going to be a car crash, basically. Yeah, they're going to tell everyone you can't buy any. Yeah. Um, and you'll never buy one from them for a lot of years. So, so from that point of view, when I say fake it, you make it. You've got to walk your talk a little bit more. You've got to be confident about what you're doing and so on. But fundamentally, you've got to be, you've got to have learned that. You've got to have gone through that process yeah. of maybe two or three properties. To, if you want to grow, if you want to say, well, no, I want people to back me. You know, I've had people back me, my best friend backs me, I've got my sister-in-law back me for quite a substantial amount in the past and so on and so on. And you know, and these are these guys have made good returns on, on the money as well. So it, it gains a momentum moving forward, you know, but at the same time as well, it is a big, big responsibility. You know, it's never as easy as it seems to be kind of portrayed that's out there in the in the world of property. And that's the only thing that kind of does well, it irritates Phil a bit, and it irritates me a little bit, and a few other people out there as well. I think that's probably where we'll wrap it up for today, guys. We've got to shoot off anyway in a minute or two. We're going to view a property, um, yeah. which we were supposed to, I thought we were viewing on Monday, so me and Kim turned up on someone's drive, stood there waiting to view, and we wasn't. So if you enjoyed that, please give us some feedback, drop us an email. It's ryan at venturepropertylincoln.co.uk. I'm going to sign that off there and I'll be back next week with another podcast. So cheers, guys. Bye-bye.